0: Hi, welcome to Season 3 of the Pictures Out There podcast series. This is chat number 13. Nargis Mohammadi, Toni Morrison, The Guinea Worm, Habitat for Humanity, Jimmy Carter, Madeline Albright, and more are talked about today. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Well, thank you very much, Candy, for that kind introduction. This is Lee. And this is Dave. Hey, welcome back to the Pictures Out There podcast series. Thank you for joining us. We would like to extend a welcome to our present-day audience, our audience perhaps years, decades, centuries from now, Dave. Who knows? Perhaps our future AI audience. Way, way out there. Future alien audience who may be with us right now. Yeah. Our universal audience. We always like to begin these chats with these following questions for your reflection. What are your ideals and what are your pictures? Well, today we have an opening quote from Maya Angelou, brilliant African-American poet, the former poet laureate of the United States of America, who once stated, Hate, it has caused a lot of problems in the world, but it has not solved one yet. Not one? Not one. Hate
1: has solved nothing. Not a single one. Right. We have talked before about the power of one and the power of just doing your part, each of us just doing our part and lee and i are of the school of thought that if everybody just does their part if everybody created their own pictures mm-hmm. if people lived by their own their, ideals their own ideals their best ideals all this stuff we're talking about over time would get resolved yes so we do very much believe in the notion that a single person can make a choice and then go act and make a huge difference. We have a couple of wonderful, amazing examples of that today that we're going to do a little deeper dive on, of people who saw their own personal power, who see their own personal power, and have the courage to act on the basis of their ideals and their pictures. So we're going to start off first with imprisoned Iranian women's right advocate Nargis Mohammadi. Who won the Nobel Peace Prize? Oh, by the way, both of these people are Nobel Peace Peace Prize Prize winners winners that
0: we're going to talk about today. Yeah.
1: Nargis Mohammadi won the Nobel Peace Prize recently in a rebuke to Tehran's theocratic leaders and boost for anti government protesters. The award making committee said the prize honored those behind recent unprecedented demonstrations in Iran and called for the release of Mohammadi, who has campaigned for three decades for women's rights and abolition of the death penalty. The head of the Norwegian Nobel Committee said, we hope to send the message to women all around the world that are living in conditions where they are systematically discriminated, have the courage, keep on going. Continuing the quote, we want to give the prize to encourage
0: Nargis Mohammadi and the hundreds of thousands of people who've been crying for exactly woman life freedom in Iran. There was no immediate official reaction from Tehran, which has called the protests Western-led subversion. But the semi-official news agency FARS said Mohammadi had, quote, received her prize from the Westerners, end quote, after making headlines due to her acts against the national security. Mohammadi was quoted by the New York Times as saying she would never stop striving for democracy and equality even if that meant staying in prison.
1: And Lee, we've talked about the power of taglines, of simplicity of the message, and a couple of the ones that we've put forward our love first Mm -hmm. as an approach to spirituality and even starting a love first movement. We've talked about equality for all Mm -hmm. as a tagline for an equality for all movement or the equalist movement. Yeah. And here we
0: have woman life freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Love
1: it. And it's something that's memorable and that everybody involved can understand to go ahead and continue to quote Nargis Muhammadi, I will continue to fight against the relentless discrimination, tyranny and gender based oppression by the oppressive religious government until the liberation of women. Mohamedy is serving multiple sentences in Tehran's prison, amounting to about 12 years imprisonment, one of the many periods she has been detained behind bars, according to the Frontline Defenders Rights Organization. Charges include spreading propaganda against the state. Can
0: we just pause right there? So woman, life, freedom, that's threatening propaganda? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just it it yeah. is worth that pause yeah. just to
1: say yeah being a woman having a life being free mm-hmm. why would that be threatening yeah. to you? I don't know I don't understand yeah yeah <laughs> Nargis is the deputy head of the Defender of Human Rights Center a non-government organization led by Sharon Abadi. I congratulate Nargis Mohammadi and all Iranian women for this prize. This prize will shed light on violation of women's rights. In the Islamic Republic, which unfortunately has proven that it cannot be reformed. Mohammadi is the 19th woman to win the
0: 122-year-old Nobel Peace Prize. Mohammadi's husband applauded as he watched the announcement on television at his home in Paris. And he said, This Nobel Prize will embolden Nargis' fight for human rights. But more importantly, this is in fact a prize for the woman life freedom movement. Nargis's brother said he was, quote, overwhelmed when watching the announcement and that the prize would strengthen the work of his sister and other activists. Quote, she will feel much stronger in her endeavors for human rights in Iran and for everyone who hopes for a better situation in Iran.
1: And I love the support of men. Yes. Her husband and brother. Yes. Yes.
0: And clearly additional men who are just
1: not quoted here. Right. Right. And just, you know, you either have equality for all or you don't. And if you don't have equality for all, then really none of us are equal. That's right. Ultimately. Yes. Yeah. Arrested more than a dozen times in her life and held three times in prison since 2012, mohammedi has been unable to see her husband for 15 years and her children for seven. The Nobel Committee's honoring of mohammedi also came just over a year after the death of of a 22 year old in the custody of Iranian morality police for allegedly flouting the Islamic Republic's dress code for women. That provoked months of nationwide protests that posed the biggest challenge to Shiite clerical rule in years and was met with a deadly security crackdown costing several hundred lives.
0: What's that tagline again, Lee? Woman, life, freedom. Among a stream of tributes from major global bodies, United Nations Secretary General said the Nobel Award was, quote, a tribute to all those women who were fighting for their rights at the risk of their freedom, their health, and even their lives. Dan Smith, who is the head of the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute think tank, said that while the Nobel Prize could help ease pressure on Iranian dissidents, it would be unlikely to bring about Mohammadi's release. So let's close this section, Dave, with a quote from Toni Morrison. Brilliant brilliant black writer. She wrote no more apologies for a bleeding heart when the opposite is No heart at all Danger of losing our humanity must be met
1: with more humanity and we would hope in sharing this story There's parts of this story that are certainly heartbreaking as you listen to it her inability to see her husband or her children that's heartbreaking and you can see though the resolve and just Just one person can make a difference, and you see how powerful her impact has been, and that's living. You know, she has chosen to fully live yes. and uh, make her life mean something and be worth something and to see that recognized so globally. It's a wonderful story in and of itself to understand what somebody is doing and to participate in that. And also, hopefully, it's a call to courage for all of us. Yeah, that's well said. A call to courage, yes.
0: So despite imprisonment, despite being deprived of seeing her children, her picture has not faded. Not a bit. It has not diminished. And I'm reminded of a somewhat parallel story that goes back some years. Uh, Desmond Tutu in South Africa won the Nobel Peace Prize after years' imprisonment. And upon his release, he set up a truth and reconciliation process which enabled all of the hundreds or even millions of people in the country to unite around two values, truth and reconciliation. There was a powerful story that was undimmed by imprisonment, and now we have Mahomedies.
1: And actually, lead to the point of that story: the truth and reconciliation process has been copied yes. and used in other situations, it has. right? Yeah.
0: When South Africa undertook it, there was no roadmap. Yeah. No one had ever done it before, but it was so successful that others have adopted it.
1: And if somebody wanted to suggest uh, as a tagline for a global call for equality for women. And they wanted to use that tagline Mm -hmm. of "women, life, freedom." Freedom. Yes, yes, that's what that's what this is about. Exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, we're going to move on to our second example in our podcast today of the power of one, and just do your part. This individual is well known to everyone, Jimmy Carter. But we're going to talk about uh, a specific example of one of many that Jimmy Carter has done in his remarkable life. In 1982, he established the Carter Center to promote and expand human rights, which earned him a Nobel peace prize in 2002. He traveled extensively to conduct peace negotiations, monitor elections, and further the eradication of infectious diseases.
0: On October 11th of 2002, the Nobel committee announced Carter as the winner of the Nobel peace prize, praising the former president's decades long service of quote, untiring effort to find peaceful solutions to international conflicts, to advance democracy and human rights, and to promote economic and social development. Palestinian chief negotiator Saeb Erekat recalled Carter's monitoring of the 1996 Palestine elections and called the former president, a man who has always stood for dialogue and for solving disputes through diplomacy and peaceful means and not through the guns of war. Former Egypt prime minister, Mustafa Khalil, said that without Carter, it would have been difficult to reach an agreement between Egypt and Israel. Mr. Carter played one of the most important roles in history in that agreement.
1: Lee, why? Why? I mean, he had been president. He left office. Why go do all this stuff? He didn't have to do right. any, of it. any of it. Each one of these things, a choice to wake up the next morning and try to go do something. Yes. Yeah. I mean I it, it's worth pondering. And why did he think he was the one to do it? Yeah. Why why him? Clearly he's had numerous vivid pictures
0: yeah. that he's developed. Yeah. And he just couldn't sit by and, and let them fade, let them diminish. He had to go take action on Right. It. Yeah. Right. Fueled by ideals. Right. Yeah.
1: And we're going to stop here and read a quote from Charles Bukowski and it says, I was waiting for something extraordinary to happen. But as the years wasted on, nothing ever did unless I, I caused, caused it.
0: it. Wow. Right. Power of one.
1: Yeah. Just do your
0: part. And if that quote doesn't resonate with you, perhaps this one will from the great Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead. Somebody has to do something, and it's just incredibly pathetic
1: that it has to be us. <laughs> and, and, and he meant it jovially. But there's profound wisdom in that. And we have used before the Gandhi quote that basically says the world is waiting on you. Yes. Yeah. you know, And you shape the world. Absolutely. The world is waiting to be shaped. Creation is waiting to be shaped by your actions. Just go do it.
0: Yeah. Even a retired president,
1: a retired peanut farmer. So now we're going to talk about an extraordinary Jimmy Carter story and an extraordinary set of actions. Jimmy Carter took on the awful guinea worm when no one else would, and he triumphed. Jimmy Carter took great pride in pointing out that the United States didn't start any new wars during his term as president, but after he left office, he launched a war against neglected diseases. Diseases in far-off lands that most Americans will never suffer from and may not have even heard of. And again, I'll just stop and go, why him? Why? Why? Why, why did you do this? It has no bearing on his life. Why? Why did you do this? Diseases like lymphatic filariasis, trachoma, river blindness, and a nasty little bug called guinea worm disease. Let's talk about that a little bit. Guinea worms are spread through contaminated drinking water and eating undercooked fish. The female worms, which can be up to three feet long once they mature, cause incredibly painful open blisters usually on the infected person's lower legs and feet through which the worms emerge. It can take a toll for weeks or months and sometimes permanently leave the individual unable to support a family.
0: And if someone with guinea worm has contact with water, perhaps to cool the burning pain caused by the worm's presence, the worm then will release tens of thousands of baby worms, contaminating the entire body of water. The effort to end this disease did not rely on high-tech methods. Kelly Callahan, who is a public health worker who spent years fighting guinea worm disease in southern Sudan with the Carter Center, said, Guinea worm disease has no cure, no vaccination. Basically, the entire eradication effort is built on behavior change. That's meant teaching people in vulnerable areas to filter their water and giving them the low-cost tools to do so. Other strategies include providing access to safe water supplies, better detection of human and animal cases, cleaning and bandaging wounds properly, preventing infected people and animals from wading into the water, and the use of a larvicide to kill the worms, among other techniques.
1: Lee, you and I have talked before about the math of kindness. Yes. That's one of our tools, and we've talked about and we've used that tool to show how problems in the world could be eradicated. Yes. Hunger could Could be be eradicated. eradicated. Clean water could be solved. Yes. All of these huge things, and we as a global society have to this point refused to use that math to solve these problems.
0: Yeah, and you know what, Dave, from this story about the guinea worm, uh, another of our tools that we've discussed in previous podcasts came back to mind, which is the simple to complex to simple. Yeah. So very probably there have been very well-meaning Dedicated people who think there's a technological solution to right. this guinea worm thing. Right. Let's figure out the technology. No, it's the simplest thing: educate people. Yeah. Yeah. Teach hey, you. don't
1: walk into the water. Yeah.
0: Here's a safe way to drink water, yeah. consume water, and bathe. There's low
1: cost tools that can help you clean the water, and it's it's easy to imagine not being there. But it's easy to imagine Jimmy Carter looking at this situation being horrified yes. by this affliction. Yes. And feeling empathy and compassion for the people who are dealing with it and seeing a solution and seeing that he can be the one. I'll yeah. step up. I will step up. I will go do that. And I'm
0: sure he was very, very grateful for the others who were aware of it Absolutely. and were trying to solve Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But he didn't say, Oh, there's others working on this. I guess they don't need me. Yeah.
1: And he understand understood his power and was going to try. So here's here's where this went. Because of Carter, the world has now come incredibly close to wiping out the guinea worm. Carter said at a press conference in 2015, I would like to see guinea worm completely eradicated before I die. I'd like for the last guinea worm to die before I do. We started out with 3.6 million cases. On January of 2023, the Carter Center announced that only 13 hmm. Human cases of guinea worm disease were reported worldwide in 2022, pushing the disease closer to eradication. In an interview with NPR in 2015, Carter recalled the origins of his crusade. Okay, here's this part of the story. Carter's former drug czar, Peter Bourne, was working on a UN initiative called the Freshwater Decade. Bourne came to the Carter Center to talk about overlooked diseases spread from, quote, drinking bad water. One of them was guinea worm. Quote, the main reason that he came to the Carter Center was because he couldn't get anyone else to tackle this problem. It's a despicable disease. And it was in such remote villages that no one wanted to take on the task. So we decided to take it on. Yes. The power of one. Yes. Yeah. I just, it, it. Yeah. it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. I mean to think over, about that. O- over moment.
0: time, numerous, numerous people fell in his wake and participated and helped solve this thing, but it was the power of one that got it rolling. And
1: let's acknowledge this gentleman, Peter Bourne.
0: Absolutely.
1: Who was the one that said who? I'm I'm going to use my voice. Yes. I, I have power. I'm yes. going to go to somebody else to get help. Yes. It yes. just it yeah. it, it, it doesn't take a
0: lot. We all possess power. <laughs> we all
1: possess the power. And I'd love to know the story, and we're not going to, we don't have that here. I'd love to know the story of exactly how Peter Bourne found out about this disease. Because I'll bet you there were people all along the way, somebody told somebody else about this, somebody else arranged a trip, somebody else did something else. Yes. And ultimately that heightened Peter Bourne's awareness. And one of the things Lee and I will talk about is the importance of paying attention. Yes. And looking around and being aware. Yes. And so there is no doubt a number of people who deserve huge credit, along with Peter Bourne and along with Jimmy Carter, you know, for this whole issue coming to light. And, you know, kudos
0: to them. Yeah. I think it's easy to imagine that perhaps an individual. Who the world would look at as saying, possessing no power. Right. Perhaps someone afflicted by this disease. Right. Maybe they were the first person to say, hey, this is bad. How can we help solve this? You know, maybe someone who the, other, the rest of the world would, would, would perceive as possessing no power. They took the first step.
1: And it's probably somebody who said, you know, I'm going to go say something to this person and they're probably not going to do anything, and they may not even care.
0: Yeah, and they may not hear me, and they may not look at me. I may not exist. But I'm
1: going to go do it. I'm going to use my voice. I'm going to use myself, my personhood, to go say something.
0: One of the co-founders of Habitat for Humanity, with whom Jimmy and Rosalind Carter did a bunch of work, said he did what he did out of love for mankind, and that may have involved hammering nails into a Habitat house by day, sleeping in bunk beds at night. The Carters worked
1: on habitat projects in 14 countries. Out of a love for mankind, love first. Just, you know, clearly an ideal of Jimmy Carter's. In a statement, the Carter Center has pledged to continue the fight to wipe out Guinea worm. When that scourge does come to an end, it will become one of Carter's signature accomplishments, an extraordinary accomplishment that reflects a simple yet profound tenet of his personal philosophy to try to help one another instead of being willing to go to war with one another. Hmm. Lee, one, one of the ideals that we've put forward here is help. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's one of the three pictures out there ideals along with love. And we're the same and we're unique and let's help. And
0: let's remind ourselves that help goes two ways. Ask for it when you need it and give it.
1: Absolutely. Carter recognized the difficulty of living up to this philosophy, getting along with one another and treating each other as equals is one of the hardest things to do on earth. It sounds like the equalist movement. The for all. And it's one of the things that Carter did best. And I think people just always will look at somebody like Jimmy Carter and it's like, why are you, why are you doing all this stuff? Why, yeah. why are you hammering nails yes. in a Habitat for Humanity house? Why are you sleeping in a bunk bed there? Right. And he believes we all matter and that we're all equal. It's like, well, you were president. Yeah, right. You're a Nobel Peace Prize winner. What's up with that? Yeah. It's, It's his, it is his being. It is his ideal. It's what he believes in.
0: Yeah. And none of that was ever associated with the title of presidency. You know, he would have been doing these works, arguably not on a global stage because the power that that office provided, but he would have been the same individual.
1: Absolutely. Equality for all. We just have to do our part. So here's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, and it goes certainly to the Guinea worm example. When will our consciences grow so tender that we will act to prevent human misery rather than avenge it?
0: All right. You've heard us talk in previous podcasts and again today about fear to courage to action, all motivated by love. So how often do we wait for fear to just dissipate or somehow go away? Or how often do we confront our fear directly and respond to it with calm and with thoughtful, courageous action? Well, with these two models we've talked about today, Nargis Mohammadi and former President Carter in mind, it is worth a moment for each of us to reflect on that question. Madeleine Albright, former Secretary of State in the U.S., said, It took me quite a long time to develop a voice... And now that I have it,
1: I am not going to be silent. When we begin to really use our ideal-based and pictures-based voice, we feel good. Mm -hmm. We feel good. Even when we're getting challenged, even when others disagree with us, even when we're being told to shut up. Yes. It feels too good. Yes. Yes. And we don't stop. Yes. It's it's a habit that, that begins to happen. So we always like closing with a moment of optimism, momentum, and gratitude. And today we express gratitude for these models of our very best human behaviors and our very best ideals who absolutely exemplify and personify the power of one and the impact of just do your part. If we each just do a fraction of what these two people do and have done to live by our best ideals and to be energized by pictures of a world where each of us are truly equal and all of us matter and each of us are valued for our uniqueness as individuals, then our pictures can come true. In closing, we ask, what are your ideals? What are your pictures? What are
0: your actions to take, your influence to use? What will your voice be? Thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about Pictures Out There at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures.